And welcome on in to the JR Sport Brief Show. No JR today. Ryan Hickey filling on. And welcome. A happy Thursday to you. Thank you for making us a part of it. Thank you also for bearing with me here and my voice. Um, as you can tell, it's a little scratchy. I'm like sort of sick, really, but not really, if that makes sense, where my throat hurt yesterday and today. My voice sounds like it does, like it's going or on its way out, but otherwise feel fine. No headache, no runny nose, no, you know, overall like cold feelings that you get. We just feel like crap. So I guess I'll take it to trade off. I mean, a lot of people say my voice is pretty high pitched anyway, so maybe now it sounds a little bit lower. So I'm more of a man. So actually, you know what? This is a good thing. This is a good thing, but either way, uh, thank you for bearing with me right here. It is Ryan Hickey in for JR um, on this Thursday. So we talked a lot of college football playoff to open the show and possible expansion coming down the pike here. But before we even get to expansion, what is locked in and what is a guarantee is that we are going to have 12 teams in the college football playoff starting in 2024. So now as you kind of look ahead towards that, now that the transfer portal has slowed down and a lot of teams are now kind of constructed the way they're going to go into spring ball and into the summertime, kind of want to get ahead and look at, well, who are teams that could make the college football playoff? Looking at the landscape of next year's college football season, I think right now there are four teams and four teams only we can call locks to make the college football playoff, where I can't see a scenario where come January, these four teams are not playing for playing for a championship. There's only four locks. I'll give them to you right now. Team number one, drum roll, please. To no one's surprise, the Georgia Bulldogs. They're locked to make the playoff. They're going nowhere. Last year, should have been the playoff, lose one game, now, if that happens again, they'll still be in. But boy, this team is loaded. And what's scary for the rest of the country is they have that chip back on their shoulder. You get Carson Beck back. You get a lot of guys on defense coming back now for this 2024 season. You had Kirby go into the transfer portal and get guys like uh, Trevor Etienne, Travis's brother, came over from Florida now to replenish the running back room. This is an insanely, insanely talented team that, oh yeah, by the way, now has a chip on their shoulder after losing to Alabama in the SEC title game, after having their 29-game winning streak stopped by the same team where the streak started by losing to Bama in the SEC title game two years prior and missing the playoff. Kirby now, who already talked about it after they repeated as... Um, as champs in 2022, was already trying to warn his players about complacency. He was already trying to fight against that as Georgia tried to become the first ever team in modern college football to three-peat. Well, now there's no, like, making things up. You know, at that point, right, if you win back-to-back national championships, you're in the middle of a 29-game winning streak. If you're Kirby Smart, you could tell your team, hey, no one respects you, don't overlook an opponent. But come on. Realistically, if you were in that locker room and you were destroying every team you were playing, are you really going to believe your coach when he tells you, hey, you guys are not that good? You guys can be beat by anybody. It's human nature. Complacency sets in. 
But now I think Kirby gets his wish. Kind of like Nick Saban in a way. They're obviously from the same school. So it's not a surprise. They're very similar. But now all of a sudden there's that edge back on Georgia that is not manufactured. They lost. Now you can come back hungry. So Georgia is going to come back, come back with vengeance. They are a guaranteed lock to be one of the 12 teams in the college football playoff next year. Joining them, the Ohio State Buckeyes. I hate to say it as a Penn State fan and a Penn State alum, but my God, this team. And this is the most talented team in the country. I don't see how anyone refutes that. You go in the portal. You get Will Howard from Kansas State, which, look, I'm not that high in Will Howard. I think he's solid. I don't think he's, you know, great. That's not a home run transfer portal addition, but still solid nonetheless. A player that's played in a lot of games at Kansas State. He had a good experience quarterback in Will Howard, um, now running your offense. You add one of the best running backs in all of college football from Ole Miss, Quinchon Junkins. Now to Travion Henderson, who is one of the best running backs in the country if he's healthy. Now that's a dynamic one-two punch in the backfield. You add one of just the overall best players in college football in Caleb Downs, who transferred from Alabama once Nick Saban retired, now to Ohio State. Like, you have you have a loaded roster. Oh, yeah, by the way, defensively, they return everybody. Like, half their defense was draft eligible. And could have left, could have left early. And like everyone decided to come back. This team, after losing to Michigan now three years in a row, is coming back and coming back motivated. And it feels like they're all kind of feels like Michigan two years ago. When a lot of guys came back and they had one vision to beat Ohio State and to win a national title. Michigan accomplished that. Ohio State trying to replicate what the Wolverines did last year uh, in doing so and having that come to fruition. But look, man, this like you look at this, I, I don't see how Ohio State misses the playoff. And if they do, I thought like I think a lot of this Ryan Day discussion is stupid. The guy's one of the best coaches in college football. Okay, he couldn't beat Michigan three years in a row. He beats everybody else. And in one year where you couldn't beat Michigan, you still made the playoff, and you still were one made field goal away from winning a national championship. Outside of Alabama. No one pushed Georgia during that 29-game winning streak more than Ohio State did in that playoff game two years ago. Ryan Day's a damn good coach. But I'll say this. If he misses the playoff next year, he's fired. He should be fired. This team is loaded. Again, I think they're the most talented team in the country. There is no way they are not one of the 12 teams in the college football playoff next year. They are a lock. So we got two locks right now out of four. When you look at the playoff next year, Four college football playoff locks. No chance to miss the playoff. Georgia is one. Ohio State is another. A third, Oregon. The Ducks are coming, man. The Ducks are coming. Dan Lanning right now is building an absolute monster. We'll go through the roster here in a second, but how I know this team is legit, don't have to name one player on the roster. It's a simple decision. It's a simple word. Two letters. N-O. What he told Alabama. We can talk about reports and who was their, you know, number one candidate. If I was Alabama, Dan Lanning would have would have been my first call. And I think he was. And I think that's part of the reason why you had that Dan Lanning, if you want to call it hype video, 
announcing that he's staying at Oregon and not going to Alabama, even though it was kind of ambiguous. But Dan Lanning turned down Alabama in large part because he is building a monster right now in Eugene, and he realizes the situation he has in Eugene is better than the one he would inherit in Tuscaloosa. Look at what he's got. He's got Dylan Gabriel, an extremely uh, experienced and talented quarterback coming in now from Oklahoma who's going to run his high-flying offense. You pulled in Evan Stewart, one of the biggest transfer portal wide receivers and one of the biggest recruits that A&M got in that um, historic recruiting class with that Jimbo Fisher allegedly, quote-unquote, paid for a few years ago. One of the most highly coveted recruits in that record-breaking recruiting class was Evan Stewart. Now he's an uh, Oregon Duck. Jabbar Muhammad, who was Washington's best defensive back on their run to the national championship game last year, he transferred to Oregon. Second team All-Pac-12 last year. Offense line is going to be great. Playmakers are are plentiful. Even though they lost a few to the draft, they have replenished insanely well. This team is going nowhere. Going to the Big Ten, which seemingly is an increase in competition, they're going to have no problem whatsoever. It's them and Ohio State are 1-1A one one in the Big Ten. Everyone else is behind them. Oregon is legit. Oregon's going to be a big problem here moving forward. I love Dan Lanning's aggressiveness as a coach. They are here to stay. I can't see a situation next year in which they're not in the playoff. So Oregon, along with Ohio State and along with Georgia, is a lock. We are talking about locks for next year's college football playoff. 12 teams. I think right now there are only four teams as we sit here today. On Thursday, February 22nd. Only four teams you could say guaranteed to make the playoff. No way they are not in next year's uh, run for the championship. Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, and finally, the fourth and final lock for the college football playoff is the Texas Longhorns. I can't believe I'm saying this because I have admittedly been a massive Texas hater. They've earned the benefit of the doubt. What they did last year, Sark getting this team over the hump, going to Tuscaloosa and beating Alabama, winning the Big 12, getting to the college football playoff, almost beating Washington and going to the national title game. Texas, for the first time since the, since the Colt McCoy days, they have earned the benefit of the doubt in terms of believing in them before the year. Quinn Ewers is coming back. And even though they they have lost, they are losing a lot of talent. Do not let that, you know, they are not like Ohio State. They're not like Georgia and even to a sense Oregon where they're returning a lot of their starters from last year. They're losing two of their best defensive players, both on the defensive line, gone to the draft. They're losing their tight end. Could be a first-round tight end. Losing two of their best wide receivers. Losing their running back. Like, there's a lot of talent leaving Austin. But I'll give Sark a lot of credit. He has replenished this team really well, whether it's through recruiting, but also as well through the transfer portal. He's done a great job making this roster still a a top-tier roster in college football. And now also he's brought the coaching along with it, where Texas, right, they've always recruited really well. They've never put put it together for a long stretch since kind of the back end of Mack Brown's career. But now Sark has kind of matched great coaching with a great talent to the roster, and all of a sudden now you look at Texas. They, to me, are an absolute lock to make the playoff. 
Like, if you look at right now a 12-team playoff, I think the worst record you could have and still make it is 10-2. I think 9-3, and three, you're not making the playoff. And so you look at Texas' schedule now as they go to the SEC, it's very manageable. At Georgia, brutal game. Brutal game. But Red River versus Oklahoma, you're better than Oklahoma. You're at Michigan. Michigan lost a lot. I don't think they're going to be very good in terms of national title contention. They'll be, I think, around 9-3, and 8-4, and four, but not in the mix to win the Big Ten, not in the mix to make the playoff. And thank goodness this rivalry is coming back. One of the few good things that has come from conference realignment is the Texas-Texas A&M rivalry restored. Thanksgiving weekend in College Station. But that's a game that Texas should win. So you have a brutal game at Georgia. At Michigan, you should win. Red River versus Oklahoma, you should win. And A&M, you should win. Again, I think 10-2 and two is getting them in. So even if you drop one of those games, I think you're still comfortably in the college football playoff. Georgia's schedule, uh, excuse me, Texas' schedule is not challenging outside of that. I think they are in. So when you look at the landscape right now of college football as we get set for the first ever 12-team college football playoff to commence, I think we have four locks, two from the SEC, two from the Big Ten, that are guaranteed to make the playoff next year. Everything else is up for grabs. Ohio State and Oregon from the Big Ten, Texas and Georgia from the SEC. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. I told you my locks here. Only four. Some teams, I think, could make the playoff, but are not in that lock category just yet. I'll tell you those teams uh, when we do return here, but I'm curious your thoughts at 855-212-4227. If you think I'm disrespecting your team by right now not calling them a guarantee to make the playoff, Tell me why. Tell me why I'm wrong and you're right. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. We'll get your thoughts and discuss a few teams on the outside. Why are teams like Alabama, Ole Miss, not considered locks? I'll tell you next. It's Ryan Hickey in for JR on CBS Sports Radio. That we do. JR extremely charitable with his team. It's Ryan Hickey in for JR right here on CBS Sports Radio. As a reminder, this portion of the show is sponsored by the new Hyundai Tucson. Available with complimentary class-leading Blue Link Plus. Now it's easy to use your phone to control your Tucson. So it's never too early to start talking some college football. Looking ahead here, but especially now... We kind of look at the new format coming to town for 2024, and you start to look ahead of, okay, well, which teams, you know, were rated in the transfer portal, which teams are really well collecting talent, who is positioned with the head coaching moves as well, who's positioned to make the new 12-team playoff next year? I think right now, as we sit here on February 22nd, I think there are just four teams, four teams we can guarantee that will be in the playoff come next January. Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, Texas. That's it. Everyone else could play their way in. Not a guarantee. Those four teams, I don't see a scenario outside of, I guess, catastrophic injuries to, like, everybody. Outside of the unpredictable. I don't see a situation in how either Texas, Ohio State, Oregon, or Georgia 
or at home, or I guess in this case, be playing in a meaningless bowl game, how they're doing that and not in the playoff. I don't see it. They are, to me, the only four locks right now we have in college football going ahead to 2024, which means eight spots are open. That's good. That's still, I think, really, really good. But why some teams are not locks, why some teams I can't sit here today and guarantee are going to make the playoff next year, I'll tell you. Let's start with Alabama. First and foremost, Kalen DeBoer coming in, I thought that's a home run hire. If you weren't able to get Dan Lanning, which obviously they weren't, next move would have been Kalen DeBoer, and obviously that worked out, and I think it, it is going to work out to perfection there in Tuscaloosa. But right now, with the way this roster has been rated, with some of the best players going into the transfer portal and not staying, I think DeBoer is going to need year number one here as a reset. Get a lot of his guys in, build the trust again, develop a lot of the young recruits that are still committed to the, to the university, and really get his footing. Not that they're going to be bad, but I think 9-3 and three for year number one is what you could expect from Kalen DeBoer at Alabama. Also, too, I have real questions about how Jalen Milrow is going to fit into his system. Now, we saw it took a lot from Nick Saban and this Alabama coaching staff to get Milrow in a position to where they can make the playoff. Now you're having a new offense where DeBoer likes to air the ball down the field. Um, we saw Michael Penix Jr. with those receivers. They bombed down the field for all this, you know, the entirety of, of the two years there in Washington. It's a little bit of Milrow's game, but he's very inconsistent. And so I have questions about the fit right now with Milrow in this new uh, Kalen DeBoer offense. I think they just need time. 2024 is going to be a reset for Alabama. They could make the playoff. I'm not saying, sitting here telling you they can't, but a lock? No. No, 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 no. They are not a lock for the playoff. Neither is Ole Miss, which I think is the most talented team I left out of here. They got a lot of players coming back. Jackson Dart coming back. All, there's, uh, all their receivers coming back. What's plagued Ole Miss for a while has been their lack of defense. And they went to the transfer portal and gotten a ton of dudes, like legit dudes, SEC dudes on their defense. That defense is going to be better. But I'll be honest with you. I still can't trust Lane Kiffin to win a big game. I, I can't. The Peach Bowl win against Penn State was not a big game. The win over LSU early in the season, that insanely high-scoring back-and-forth game that was one of the games of the year, that's probably Lane's biggest win. But against Alabama last year, non-competitive. Georgia, especially non-competitive. Almost could make the playoffs. Their schedule's easy enough where they should make the playoff. But can I sit here and, and guarantee? Can I sit here and tell you I truly believe Lane Kiffin is going to get this team where they should be? I can't. I'm sorry. I like Lane. I think his personality is awesome for college football, and I think it fits perfectly for that Ole Miss team. But I think he's right now the James Franklin of the Big Ten. Really good coach. Will win you 10 games on a yearly basis. But can you win the big game? Can you beat the top of the top? I got questions. I got real, real, real questions. And you look at Michigan in the Big Ten. They are coming crashing down to earth. It was a hell of a three-year run by Jim Harbaugh where they only had one regular season loss. That was to Michigan State. Beat Ohio State three straight years. Won the Big Ten three straight years. College football playoff three straight years. And obviously culminated in last year's national title. 
Well, two things. Number one, Jim Harbaugh ain't there. And number two, this team got raided by the NFL draft. Anyone with talent, anyone with a, with a draft profile that was eligible, gone. J.J. McCarthy, gone. Play Corum, gone. The entire offensive line, gone. This is going to be an insane rebuild for Sharon Moore and the Wolverines here in 2024 where they're going to have a lot of work to do. Again, 8-4 and four, I think is probably where they'll be around 9-3. and three. That's not good enough to make the, uh, to make the playoff. They got they lost too much talent in the um, to the NFL draft. Too lost too much talent to graduation to replenish that. And it's also now that they they recruited very well. You know Georgia can lose talent to the NFL draft, but they can just replace it because Kirby Smart now is a machine where it's you know top recruiting class, top recruiting class, top recruiting class every single year. You got plenty of talent to replace those guys that leave. Michigan, you wouldn't think this. But it's absolutely true. Look at the rankings. Michigan is not recruited that well. Now, to their credit, they've developed incredibly. But when you look at where they rank in their recruiting rankings every single year, they're not in the top 10. They're not in the top 15. They have not recruited at a high level despite all the success they've had. So it's not like you have blue chippers waiting in the wings as J.J. McCarthy and Blake Corum leave and this offensive line leaves. It's going to be a big difference in Ann Arbor this year compared to past years. And for Florida State, they're the same thing. I don't think DJ Uwe Ungalale is the answer there in Tallahassee. Um, And they also lost a lot of players to the NFL draft, and they are not replacing them this year. So some teams I think that are borderline, that could make the playoff, but when you talk about locks, right, we got to be guaranteed, you know, we got to be feeling it here. Guarantee, no way you could see them not making it. Only four teams fit that bill. Ohio State, Oregon from the Big Ten, Georgia, Texas from the SEC. 855-212-4227, 855-212-4227. It is Ryan Hickey in for JR right here on CBS Sports Radio. We also talked about the best format for the college football playoff. Because right now you hear reports of, oh, let's go to 14 teams. Let's go to 16 teams. 12 is the answer. 12 is absolutely the answer. Mike is calling from Nevada with some thoughts on that. What's up, Mike? Whoa, sheesh. What do we got going on, Mike? Oh, he's not even there. Hello? No, Mike? Well, what, what's going yeah, on, I'm man? Here. Are you at a rock concert? Ryan, thanks for taking my call. What is going on in the background? Oh, I'm at Applebee's getting an appetizer. I'll step outside. Hold on. Oh, oh, nice. Um, Calling us from Applebee's. What's what's the order? Coors Light and some onion rings. Nice. Nice. Is that half off apps or is that too early for that? I think it's after 10, right? Hey, um. Probably. So give me a second here, but my my idea is is like, the English Premiership, the the three three divisions, where you get relegated and promoted. So, I want three fifty-two team divisions, and this is for it's not for it'll it'll make sense for the for the top for the playoffs, but it also helps. The, like let's say you're in the third division. I mean, let's say you're like the hundred and tenth. Uh, team in the NCAA, you you don't you just sit there, you don't do right. anything, right? 
it's just it's just a waste. But if you had a division where you had 52 teams, look at South – I like to use South Dakota State as an example. That game's exciting, right? Don't they go to the championship every year? Yes. I mean, they're excited and they win. Hey, yes, they yes. won. But you know what I mean? So if you had three 52-team divisions and then – the top four from, let's say you're in the third division, the top four would move up into the second division, and the bottom four from the second division would move down. And you'd have playoffs for that. You take the, the bottom eight teams from the division two, and you have them playoff. And the four losers get relegated. And then the four winners of an eight-team playoff get promoted. And that way, imagine you're like in the middle of the pack in the second division, you're going to be worried about going down. You know what I mean? So those games matter. Like the 80th and 90th matter I mean, you're trying to win. Do they, Mike? You're I like the creativity. Thank you for the call. Enjoy Applebee's. Enjoy the onion rings. Outdoors go mot sticks. Oh, that's always a clutch go-to there. Applebee's finest mot sticks east of the Mississippi, if you ask me. Um, but when it comes, like, I, I guess I just don't see, like, who's interested. Sure, maybe... I mean, the 90th team in the league is what, Akron? Maybe Akron fans care, but why would anyone else care? Well, why would any other college football fan care about the battle of Akron versus New Mexico State, the losers in the third division? Like, at that point, I think if you want to break away, just do two, two conferences or, or two separators. One league has like 50 schools of the Power Five, or I guess now the Power Four, unfortunately. But you have like 50 schools in that category, you know, playing for the 12-team playoff. And have everyone else basically do a, a FCS, you know, similar to the FCS, if you will, where they have their own playoff and you can win a championship as like the other other league. I don't think about, I don't think making three leagues with relegation is going to have enough people interested as you think. I like the idea. I love the creativity. I'm, I'm here for it. I just don't think it's going to have the impact you think where people are going to actually care about Akron, New Mexico, winner goes to, to the bottom of tier two, and the loser now goes to the top of tier three. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't think people are going to care about that. People care about the playoff. People care about winning a national championship. And like you said with South Dakota State, where they win a championship, and that's like the big deal for schools in the FCS, if you have a breakaway where 50 of the, you know, the 50 power four schools, if you will, form one league and the everyone else, the group of five schools form another league and you have a championship for the group of five schools. I think that's, you have a better chance at, at people caring about that than you do relegation games. In my opinion, 855-212-4227, It is Ryan Hickey in for JR right here on CBS sports radio. When we return, something spooky happened today. And that was the fact that everyone's cell phones, or most people's cell phones. Thankfully, mine didn't. Or at least I missed it early in the morning. Most people's cell phones went kaput. Act, did your cell phone go to kaput this morning? No, I switched from AT&T a long time ago. Oh, so I get you. You're in the clear. Yes. You're in the clear. I want to ask this on the other side of the break, but I'll ask you now since you are here right in front of me. Where's the one place you can't go without your phone? Like you have to have it no matter what time of the day or if you're, I'm going here or I'm doing this. I need to have my phone with me. Oh, I, where I need to, I the one place I need to have my like, phone. Is it the gym? Is it on a car ride? Is it coming here? Like a uh, car? I'd say car. car, because you know what? Between Bluetooth and Waze, um, you know, there's so much. There's so much going on um, that I think you know. You get your Bluetooth music. 
Um, you have your ways. You can make a phone call. So I'd say the car. All if right. It, if it was Family Feud, I'd say survey says <laughs> car. <laughs> and that would probably be a very popular answer. Like that. You know, like we obviously know how connected we are to our phones, but until Too something much so. like this, I would agree. But until something like this happens, you're like, oh my god! Now, like, you can't lose your phone. Like, now, what do you do? Yeah, when you, you realize it's amazing how tied we are because it's become a point of convenience where everything is tied. Now, I don't, I'm not one of these people, but you know, a lot of people have their their money tied up in their phone. Yep. Uh, I mean, Tapping all them. your your medical history could be tied up in your phone if you if you choose to enter it. You have information. You have contact. I mean, it's 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 your whole life. It's pretty it's pretty scary. <laughs> it is pretty scary, and the conspiracy theorists are having a, a day today of you know why this happened and what could happen if this if this happens again. But you're right in that sense. We are, I would agree, too way too connected to our phone. But for some doomsday happened today where phones were shut down for a while, unable to be used. Where's the one place I need to use my phone? It's not the car. I'll tell you, though, next when we do return, Ryan Hickey in for JR. It is Ryan Hickey in for JR today. Appreciate you making us a part of your Thursday. If you missed any part of the show, Hick at Night Podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E, or on YouTube, Ryan Hickey is the channel name where you can get caught up on everything so far you have missed. Appreciate, though, you joining us right now. All right, so earlier this morning, middle of the night for, for most people, AT&T service goes kaput. See you later, gone. No one with an AT&T phone. Uh, no one with AT&T service, excuse me, worked their phone, internet, mobile. It was all systems down, which had me think. I'm like, man, number one, thank goodness I don't have AT&T. My phone is unaffected. But two, it's like, this actually happened to me. Like, like And your my phone was unusable, let's say for even just a day, like where do I feel it the most? Where is it where I'm, oh man, need my phone here and this really sucks that I don't have it. For me, it's a shower to be honest. There is nothing more relaxing than going, taking a nice hot shower, running the water, standing in the shower and scrolling Twitter. It is honestly my favorite nighttime pastime. I go, get out of here at 10 p.m. Eastern, go back to my apartment, take a shower, just scroll what I missed. It is easy to get lost. And if we open up TikTok, oh boy, then it's the time really does fly by. But that's one where if my phone was kaput, that's one where I'd be in the shower. Like, what do I do now? No music to listen to, no Twitter to scroll, no TikTok to just aimlessly scroll through and look at either. My TikTok's like one of two things now. It's either ocean videos, love the ocean. So a lot of sharks, a lot of like, you know, nature, wildlife. Um, and it's also a lot of comedians. So, hey, good joke. Funny, right? It's one of those two things. So either way, I'd be totally lost. Absolutely lost if that's the case. Jack, what about you? If your phone tomorrow went off for even just a day, where are you missing it the most? I think I'm missing it the most at the gym simply because when I'm working out and I'm lifting, my muscles are pumping a lot of blood through them. I need tunes to jam out to. If I don't have a song to listen to or a track, because I'm a big EDM guy, I don't really listen to songs that much. I'll listen to like a one or a two hour track on loop or something like that. It's just hard not to have my music. As a matter of fact, when I'm at the gym and I forget my headphones in the, my pocket, 
because I leave them in my bag or something like that, which feels like it happens way too often. I run downstairs, unlock my locker, and get them because I'm missing them so much. So I would say the gym is the one place where I really need my phone. Then again, I can't really go anywhere (laughs) without my phone, even leaving the control room to run to the bathroom. I unplugged it just now. Like Axe said, yeah, we are too connected where I do the same thing, right? If I'm producing JR and I got to go to the bathroom or get some water, I'm 95% of the time taking my phone with me, even though I'm gone two minutes. It's like attached at the hip now. Gym's a good one. That's definitely one that's like the runner up. But it's like if I had to choose, like would I rather go to the gym, I guess naked, if you will, with no music, no headphones, or take a shower without being able to scroll through Twitter? Give me give me the gym with no headphones all day. Um, that is for sure. All right. It is Ryan Hickey in for JR on this Thursday. I got some beef, that, uh, beef I should say, easy for me to say, with Adam Schefter. One thing Shefty tweeted today that actually got me pretty wild up. And he's not a controversial guy most of the time. But this is what got me here. He tweeted the news today that USC running back coach Keel McDonald is leaving his post and now is going to work under Jim Harbaugh as the Chargers running back coach. And part of the tweet as Schefter is breaking that piece of news, he tweeted as well, quote, A trend has emerged this winter. Many college coaches are tired of the transfer portal, the NIL money, and the new NCAA world and prefer to work in the NFL. Many college coaches already have left. Many more want to. Quote, end quote. What pisses me off about this tweet is the fact that Adam Schefter right now is trying to have you feel bad for college football coaches that are making millions of dollars now that their players have the same rights as they do. Coaches want it both ways, and they can't have it both ways. right? College football coaches are the same guys that can leave for any job they want and want to leave for any job at any time without any repercussions. right? If, if a college coach leaves to take another job, he doesn't have to sit out a year. There's no, you know, there's no NCAA... Um, person coming out, knocking on their door, investigating, oh, why are you leaving? Are you, are you getting paid more money? Is this, a, is this an infraction? College football coaches, no matter what contract they sign, no matter how much money they're getting paid, they have freedom of movement where they can up and leave at any point they want. Case in point, we just saw the Georgia State coach last week leave his job as head coach to go be an assistant at South Carolina. Spring practice already started for Georgia State. Didn't matter. Their coach said, I'm out of here. And now all of a sudden he's coaching um, the Gamecocks with no repercussions whatsoever. But now all of a sudden players are getting paid. And now players have transfer portal um, rules in their favor where they can leave as many times as they want with no repercussions. And now all of a sudden that's a bad thing. Now all of a sudden it's, oh my God, can you believe this? College football is in hell because, oh, can you believe these kids can leave whenever they want? These poor coaches making millions and millions of dollars now have to re-recruit their own kids. Oh, they're on the road recruiting high schoolers. Now they got to recruit their own kids. Oh, they got to be in the transfer portal trying to recruit kids to come to their school and leave another school. Can you believe it? This sport is in hell. The sport is burning down. It's over. College football is cooked. That is what Adam Schefter, in fewer words than I just said, is trying to tell you. 
Coaches can't have it both ways. I don't feel sorry for them whatsoever. That tweet right there is a definition of hypocrisy. Coaches have been leaving for decades. No one says boo. No one says college football is going to hell when the, when Kalen DeBoer leaves Washington to go to Alabama. When Chip Kelly leaves UCLA to go be the offensive coordinator for Ohio State. So late in the process that they can't hire anybody. No, no one says boo. No one says, oh, man, poor kids. Their coach left him. Now what do they do? Poor kids. They committed, uh, they committed as high schoolers to go play for this coach, and now all of a sudden he's coached somewhere else without telling them. Waited till they got on campus and then left. No, no one says boo there. But now all of a sudden the players get the same power. Now all of a sudden the shoe is on the other foot. And now sport's over. NAL, transfer portal, ruining college football. Do you see the hypocrisy here? Do you see the ridiculousness that right now is coming from players having the same rights as coaches? It's stupidity. And Schefter in saying that and trying to have you feel bad for college football coaches, for trying to you know make them be sympathetic figures, like they did nothing wrong. Like they are just trying to be out here for the good of the kids and forget about themselves. They are in it for, you know, the development of young men. That's not the case. That's never been the case. Let's not try to pretend like it is. It's not a big deal that it's not. But don't sit here and tell me, as Lincoln Riley jumps from Oklahoma to USC, as Kalen DeBoer goes from Washington to Alabama, as Chip Kelly takes a demotion to go from UCLA to Ohio State, by the way, now they're going to be in the same conference, Don't tell me the sport is burning when all that stuff is going on. But now kids have the same power, and now all of a sudden coaches want to leave the sport. Is this sport in, like, is college football perfect? Absolutely not. Players absolutely should get paid, and they absolutely should um, have freedom of movement. They should have the ability to leave if things are not going the way they thought. I think sometimes kids leave too early, and it is to their detriment not just in terms of going to a lesser school, but also in terms of kind of learning some tough, hard life lessons. But I digress nonetheless. If you want to leave, that's your choice. But I think they're also, with that said, with players getting paid, with players getting, you know, having the transfer portal and being allowed at least one free transfer. I know the rules right now, there's no limit on transfers. I expect that to change at some point, but at least right now you can transfer one time with no penalty or no um, punishment, there is a balance. And I think for me, the answer is simple. It's contracts. Like I don't know why we're in this world, and this has not been the case yet, but I see no problem whatsoever with if you're a high school kid and you want to commit to whatever school, signing a two-year contract or signing a four-year contract and being able to leave after two, signing an NIL contract, and being unable to break it for whatever, a year, two years, three years. Like in the NFL, right? If you are under contract and you went out, it's a trade. If a star quarterback wants to leave Alabama, he can leave. You just trade him. 
if a college football coach wants to leave and go somewhere else, trade him. Just like they do in the NFL. I, I don't see how that's unfair for anybody. And I think it also, while allowing players to get paid and also being able to move, I think it also allows organization where it's not total chaos, where the transfer portal is one big mess and players and coaches are leaving later in the calendar and now kind of kids are screwed where rosters are filled. They can't transfer anywhere. Their coach left, but they have nowhere to go. Like, I think it does lessen the insanity that has kind of been right now December and January for the sport of college football that's not on the field. I, I think contracts are a very simple solution to right now what's been a big-time problem in college football, which is not NAL, not transfer portal, but instead a lack of organization. All right, when we return here on the show, NBA starting back up tonight. The All-Star break now is officially over. Home stretch time. When I look at the teams to beat in the NBA, I don't see any team that can beat the Nuggets. I'll explain why next. It's Ryan Hickey in for JR on CBS Sports Radio. 